right, howdy JFC, glad that you are here. If you'll grab your notes uh, while you're doing that, let me welcome all of our campuses, not just here at Lone Tree, but Highlands Ranch, Castle Rock, Lakewood, those that live stream us. I try to remember everybody that I talk to during the week that says give us a shout out. I know we've got some folks in Hawaii that are listening right now, some folks in South America, uh, some folks in Europe that are listening. I, I, I'm going to forget somebody, but everybody who's tuning in, welcome. We're glad you're a part of this family. We're glad that you're able to uh, tune in and utilize the teaching here. Um, want to uh, quickly uh, bring something to your attention. Next weekend is our Thanksgiving outreach. As a church, here's what we do uh, in order to be a blessing to our community. How many of you recognize we live in a, in a, we live in a very prosperous place, but people even in a prosperous place are hurting right now with this economy? There, there is some serious need that is going on. And what we have tried to do uh, every Thanksgiving in order to be a blessing is to, um, we put together entire shopping baskets. So if you go over to King Super, Safeway, wherever you shop at, Costco, whatever, those great big baskets that you push around, we, uh, we would take one of those baskets and we would fill it up completely. Uh, the bottom, where that little shelf is on the bottom, the basket itself is overflowing. It's got a complete Thanksgiving meal. It's got gifts in it for kids. It's got, it's got all sorts of stuff. And each basket is around, I don't know, $110, $20, $30, something like that, maybe a little more than that when you add the presents in. Um, but we, we do two things. This coming Friday, uh, we'll have all of those things here, and we'll need to assemble them. So I want to give you uh, an opportunity to do ministry. Maybe, maybe your children or your grandchildren live in a place where they enjoy the benefit of it but don't recognize how special and rare it is to have what we have. How do you get kids an opportunity then to give back or to recognize there are other people living right around them who may not have it as well as they do? Well, take the chance to do ministry. So I would invite you, if you have the time this coming Friday, bring your children, your grandchildren, maybe do it as a family. We've done it as a family before. Come together and help us put these shopping baskets, these gift baskets, baskets together. And then on Saturday, we need help to hand them out. People will come here. It's, it's like an automated little line. People come in and they'll line up and come through and we'll bring their baskets out to them. We need some delivery. Some people can't get here, so we bring the baskets to them. It's a great chance to do ministry. Great chance, again, to include your kids. So I would, uh, I would ask for three things from our campuses this weekend. Uh, the first one is when the service is over, if you'd be interested in helping us do ministry Friday, Saturday, or both in the foyer of all of our campuses, go out there and there'll be a sign-up sheet and uh, take a moment, sign up on that so that we can give you the information you can participate. The other thing is that we want to receive an offering for it. You've given about $1,800 for that already. We spend about $15,000 in order to do this. So we want to invite you and encourage you, if you're looking for a place to do some outreach, if you're, how about this, Jesus said it's better to give than it is to receive. Why is that? Because if you can give it, you've already been blessed with it. Is it the truth? I know some are sitting here thinking, I'd like to be on the other end. Think about it for a minute. You don't want to be on the other end. You want to be on this end where you're able to give it to somebody. So if you are in a position to help with this, you want to participate in it, then you would uh, mark on your envelope, or uh, if you're just writing a check in the memo of the check, write it for Thanksgiving. We'll make sure it all gets put into that right there. Here's the truth. You are faithful and you are generous, so whether you give another dime to it or not, we're able to do it. But if you want to participate so that it doesn't have to be pulled out of our missions budget, then it would be a chance for us to be able to have you give to it tonight, and we'll be able just to uh, take care of that, have it all done. Either way, I'll announce to you next weekend what came in. So again, if you want to be a part of that, you would go to the foyer, you would sign up, 
let us know. We'd love to have you participate and help us with that. Okay, if you'll grab your notes, the series is called Strongholds. Let me quickly thank Pastor Marcus and Pastor DJ for their teaching the past couple of weeks. Have you enjoyed the teaching that those guys brought? Yeah, go ahead and, and yeah, absolutely. Um, Marcus here at Lone Tree and uh, Pastor DJ at Castle Rock, what a, what, a, what a wonderful opportunity we have to have such a strong teaching team. I think those guys did a great job. I was able to utilize the live streaming and, uh, and watch them as they taught, and it was, uh, it was a lot of fun, and I just appreciate the gift that they bring to this church. Also want to quickly, I was gone. Here's where I, I was suffering for the Lord in Kona, Hawaii. That's, that's where I had to go. I, it was really, how many of you feel like God could call you there and you would go? And yes, here, here was the situation. Uh, Youth with a Mission, YWAM, uh, their main location is in Kona. And for the last 10 years, I've been invited to go over there and I get to teach sometimes uh, even a couple of times a year. This time, uh, a team of us was invited to go teach. So uh, Pastor Dan, Pastor DJ, uh, Pastor Tom Ewing uh, had a chance to go over and we had a uh, class that we taught, uh, 35 students who were headed off into different parts of the world and they invited us to come in and our subject was the Father Heart of God. It's what we were invited to teach on. And I, I only share that with you to, uh, to introduce the idea of going into strongholds. We, we had a class, normally when I teach at YWAM, this is how it's been for the past 10 years, normally what you have, uh, YWAM students are uh, usually young people, 20-somethings who are just completely sold out for God. They, they, here, here's what they're doing with their lives. A lot of them have said, I'm delaying college, or right after college, they'll go to YWAM, and they'll spend a year, two, three years of their life in service and missions, in outreach to different parts of the world. I, I think it's great. I don't think everybody should go that way. I'm not saying if you don't do it that you're less spiritual or anything like that. But the kids normally who are involved in this, you can imagine, they're very excited about what they're doing. They're very sold out to what they're doing. It's an easy group to teach. How about that? They, they, are, they are normally ahead of you before you get there. They're so excited. They just draw things out of you. All right, this time we have a group um, it was a little bit different in that uh, five, five or six of the students were there on deferment. And here's what that means. They could go to jail or go to YWAM. <laughs> so they went to YWAM. Now let me just say to you, can you imagine the difference between people who are there because they are sold out to God and want to be there versus those who by the skin of their teeth are not going to jail? They're not necessarily excited other than they're not going to jail. That's what they're excited about in that situation. So you can imagine you've got, you've got that kind of a background. And these, these, were not, um, these were not petty issues that these people were there for. Some of them were, were higher criminal offenses. And, and YWAM, had, had, uh, they had never done this before and had, had tried a new situation where they were opening up the opportunity to say, hey, okay, let's, let's see what guy can do with some folks whose backs are against the wall. It's a do or die situation in a lot of ways. Let's open up the opportunity and see what guy can do with it. Now you can imagine that for some of those people, they're making some life-changing decisions and it's going well. But some of them are just thinking like this, when, when this program is over, I, I beat jail, I'm going to be able to get back to my life and, and do it. Some of them are bringing some of their habits from here over there. So we had some attitudes that we were dealing with, and in some of them, it was manifesting in a very spiritual stronghold. So for instance, we'd go in to teach, and, and how many of you know five people who are very against something can control 25 who are very for something? Do you know what I mean by that? You can get, you can get a few people 
who are in the wrong place and who are adamant about that, who are vocal about that, who are, who are just very, like, you know, stringent about it, they can control uh, the rest of the group. And so what we have was this real battlefield where we come in. Now, normally when I go and teach, they're so excited. Every day just builds on the next day, builds on the next day, builds on the So by the time you get to Friday, it's like this explosion is happening. I'm just wiped out. I'm tired. I'm going to go home. It's just been this great time. This situation, every day, was like starting from the very beginning. And it was like trying to push through a, a wall of rock to do ministry at, at this place. And normally, I don't have a team there with me. This time, thank God, I had a team where I could hand off some of the ministry and get some help with it and, and, uh, and have some breakthrough. And it was just a tremendous um, opposition that we faced. So that on, on Wednesday night, I, I got my team together, and I just said, hey, folks, we need to pray. We need to ask God what's going on here, because we are not seeing breakthrough here. We're dealing with something. I mean, in the physical, we know what it is, but spiritually, there's a hindrance here. We really need to talk to God. So we just began to pray, ask the Holy Spirit, hey, reveal to us what's going on here. And we really felt like God gave us some great discernment that we needed to take spiritual authority over this spirit. Uh, Jesus gave us the opportunity to bind, to bind and to loose. And in fact, um, spiritually speaking, we have the opportunity to speak to principalities, the spiritual wickedness that we come up against. We don't have to take it. We don't have to walk around it. We don't have to be beat up by it. We have the authority in Christ to, to come against it and to win. So we, on Wednesday, we, we had prayed about it. We felt like the Holy Spirit had given us a strategy. So the next morning, Thursday, we get there. And uh, I just started out. We had a little bit of worship. But I started, I came up. And I just, I just call it out. I just said, hey, there's this spirit here. Here's what we felt like the Lord told us last night. And right now, we're just going to take authority over it. So I just did this really, it, it was just goofy, but I thought I'm going to, I'm just going to call. I said, if you're just dealing with this thing, this is you. This is where you're at. Here's what God says. And I need you to stand up right now because we're going to knock this thing off of you. I wouldn't think anybody would stand, but about six people stood up. So we just started praying. God just started he started removing, people were just weeping, and it was just this powerful time where we had this breakthrough, and it changed the entire spiritual climate of what was going. We went from this rock-hard coldness to this very soft, tender warmth that God was able to move people in, and, and, and the atmosphere spiritually, it changed. All right, all right so what, what then was, I, there was a spiritual, there was a stronghold, an attitude, a heart condition that was controlling what, what the temperature actually felt like amongst this group of people and what was able to be accomplished amongst this group of people. I, I use that to introduce a thought where we're going to go with strongholds tonight. Um, I want to talk about conquering strongholds. Conquering strongholds. Use 2 Samuel chapter 5, 6 through 10. Now, it is in these four verses, there is an entire... Uh, and this, this would be like a, a several um, weeks... Uh, thing that took place that's mentioned in four verses. So I'll read it and then we'll do some commenting on it. So it goes this way. Uh, the king and his men marched to Jerusalem to attack the Jebusites who lived there. The Jebusites said to King David, you will not get in here. Say here. here. You will not get in here. Even the blind and the lame can ward you off. How many of you would think that that is a pretty good insult? Being, the blind and the lame are going to be able to stop you. Here is the king. 
The king that is, he, he, this is not a weak person. This is not, a, this is a man of war. David wasn't allowed to build the temple because he had blood on his hands. That's what the Bible says. God would not allow him to build the temple because he was a man of war. He had blood on his hands. So you're not talking about a person here who is, who is not strong, who is not bold, and who has not conquered a lot of things. But he comes up against this city, and the Jebusites are the enemy here, and the Jebusites tell him, you're not going to get in here. Even the blind and the lame can keep you from getting in here. So you will not get in here. Even the blind and the lame can ward you off, they thought to themselves. David cannot get in here. Verse 7, nevertheless... David captured the fortress of Zion, which is the city of David. On that day, David had said, anyone who conquers the Jebusites will have to use the water shaft to reach those lame and blind who are David's enemies. That is why they say the blind and the lame will not enter the palace. David then took up residence in the fortress, called it the city of David. He built up the area around it from the terraces inward, and he became more and more powerful because the Lord God Almighty was with him. All right, in those four verses... We have a, 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 a probably two or three week uh, 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 opportunity of, of life that is taking place here. And here's what it is. God had said to David, in fact, he had said it to Abraham back, back you know, a thousand years before David. He had said, I'm giving you this particular piece of land. It was Israel. Every place that you go, every place that you step your feet, I will give the land to you. But here's the point. I'm giving it to you, but you've got to fight for it. It belongs to you. I will it to you. It's, it's my promise to you. But if you don't get after it and participate, if you don't step into the land and kick out the enemies, even though I say it belongs to you, you'll never possess my promise if you don't do the work to possess the promise. So I throw out this idea. We're going to talk about uh, strongholds tonight. There's probably not many of you who are dealing with a land stronghold. There's probably not many of you who tonight are fighting for a piece of ground. But if I threw out the idea that spiritually, uh, has God promised you, say, healing, and you're not experiencing healing in your life? God has willed to you healing. But the same, the same thought would be true, that if you don't participate in what God has done for you, even though it's God's will, you'll never see the promise, you'll never possess it, because you didn't do anything to step into what God has for you. If God willed for you that your family is supposed to be in a particular condition, if he's spoken to you about your marriage, being healed or restored or being at a certain level, if your children are estranged from you, and God has, has talked to you about what your family should look like and has, and has said to you, here's my will for you. But you don't possess the promise of God, even though it's God's purpose and plan and will. If you don't participate in the harvest, God is looking for those who partner with him in the harvest. I think at times we tend to think if God says something, it will just happen. Folks, you can't sit on your chair at home going, if God said it, he knows where I live. It doesn't work that way. You've got to step into the land and kick out the enemies who are in place of what God has for your life. Does this make any sense? So David has this word from God that this land belongs to you and that Jerusalem is going to be the capital. But when David comes to Jerusalem, he finds an enemy living in the place. It's the Jebusites. David's battle here was not to just go, okay, hey God, you said it, go ahead and fight the enemy. David had to fight the enemy in order to possess the promise of God. 
as he goes in to fight the enemy, the enemy is so strongly fortified in place that they begin to mock David by saying, the, lime, the, the lame and the blind, the lime, the lime won't get you. The, the lame and the blind will ward you off from this place. And then it says that David makes this comment that if any one of us are going to have a breakthrough here, we're going to have to use the water shaft. It's like we, we skip in time and place. Remember, you've got about a two or three week event put into four verses here. So they, they come in to do battle. They find an enemy that they've got to fight and kick out. The enemy is so fortified that they can't get through the gate to fight the enemy. So David recognizes uh, this, this city. There's a, there's a here, here's, the, here's the thought. This city is fortified with a wall around it. And they can't come through the wall to get to the enemy. So this city is set up for a long-term siege. The armies of David can camp outside of the walls, but unless they can break through to get inside, they're not going to be able to throw the enemy out. So David recognized they've got to have a water source in order to be able to hold out here. If we can find where the water source is, we can go in through this tunnel and we can get inside. And then the next verse, David ends up living inside of the fortress and we have such a skip in time here. Four verses are taking two or three weeks and putting them all together. So David comes to Jerusalem. He finds an enemy. He's got to fight the enemy. He recognizes the way we're going to have to fight the enemy. We can't do it by conventional means or by what's always worked before. We're going to have to come up through this water shaft. And then, then we find that they were able to do that, obviously. And David ends up living in the promise of God. He takes his place because they were able to break through. All right, with that in mind, let me just quickly give you three thoughts here on conquering your stronghold. The first one is, I use the word recognize. You've got to recognize what the stronghold is. In this case, they said you will not get in here. Here is an interesting thought. Here is different for everybody. Let's say that one more time. Here is different for everybody. David's here was the city of Jerusalem. Your here may not be the city of Jerusalem, but your here could be a number of different strongholds. Can you agree with me that a stronghold doesn't have to just be a physical stronghold like a city, but a stronghold could be a mental? I mean, you know, that some people have certain opinions and thoughts that absolutely dominate and dictate how they feel, how they act, and what they do in this life. Sometimes uh, that mental stronghold can be worse than a physical stronghold. You come up against, here's, God says, I've got this promise for you, I've got this thing for you, and you come up to it, and the devil says, you'll never get in here. You'll never have this promise. The here can be physical. The here can be emotional. Sometimes people have um, the hurt. How many of you would agree with me that sometimes we can get so hurt that it can end up controlling, we can get angry, we can get bitter, when we get like that, it can be a stronghold that the enemy operates from. I said several weeks ago when I started this series, a stronghold definition would just be the place that the devil is able to operate from in your life. A stronghold can be physical, a stronghold can be spiritual, a stronghold can be emotional, strongholds can be all different things. Here's the point, you've got to recognize what the stronghold is. Now, how would you recognize a stronghold in your life? Just like for David, I would say here's a clue. The enemy is well fortified in the stronghold in your life. The stronghold in your life is the thing you can't ever conquer. If you're an angry person and you can't ever get by your anger, that's a stronghold. If you're a bitter person and you can't ever get by bitterness, that's a stronghold. When God says you'll be a person who is free, 
You'll be a person who is whole. You'll be a person who is, who is absolutely well, mind, spirit, and body, but you find, well, I'm not well physically, or I'm not well spiritually, or I'm not well emotionally. When you find that to be true, that's a stronghold. A stronghold is a fortified area where you want to possess that thing, but the devil says you'll never come in here. And in fact, let me give you one more clue to recognizing a stronghold. A stronghold is not just simply the place that's fortified that you can't get into. It's also the place that the devil mocks you from in your life. Have you ever been mocked by the enemy of your soul who condemns you over? How about this? Anybody in here ever had a habit in conflict with a belief? Let me try over here. Listen, have you ever had a habit in conflict with a belief? Has it ever happened to you? And, and you find yourself, this is not what I believe, but I'm doing it. This is not what I want. Paul said it this way. The thing I want to do, I don't do. And the thing I don't want to do, I do. Anybody relate to that? What is, that's a stronghold. That's not just an issue in life that you're working on it. Here's the truth. When you find a stronghold, if you find it when you're 15 and you don't conquer it, it'll be there when you're 55. We recognize a stronghold based on these two things. It's an impenetrable, uh, a, a place that the enemy has set up rule and reign in that we, we recognize God wants me to have that, but he says to you, the enemy, you're not coming in here. And then when he's in there, he uses that place to mock you as a believer in your life. He will condemn you. He'll make fun of you. He'll laugh at you. You'll be embarrassed by it. You'll cover it up. Recognizing becomes really, in my mind, the issue. I wonder how many people never recognize something as a stronghold in their life, and they try to fight it by conventional means. They use discipline. They just pray. They promise. Ever done that one? I promise God, I'll not do that again. Nobody's ever promised God. Anybody promise God? And if you felt like you disappointed God. Recognizing a stronghold is absolutely a key issue in dealing with a stronghold. If you never recognize it, you'll never deal with it. If you don't recognize it as a stronghold, you'll try to deal with it the wrong way. In this particular passage of Scripture, David says, those who would fight or displace or conquer the Jebusites are going to have to use the water shaft. Let me draw a spiritual analogy to a water shaft tonight. This particular water shaft, here's why, folks, next year we're going to go to Jerusalem. Next year we'll be back in Israel, starting at the first of the year, sometime right after the first week in January, second week of January, we'll open up sign-ups for those who would like to go to Israel with us in 2013. If you've never been to Israel, one of the reasons, one of the reasons you should go is because right now you're reading your Bible in black and white and you just don't recognize it. Once you go and you actually see these places, your Bible comes alive in living color. You'll never read it the same. So one of the places that I can take you to is this water shaft. 
It is underneath the city of David. It is, it is actually, it flows underneath where the temple was once built. And they give you access to go into this water shaft. Now, there's still water in it. We don't make it a part of the regular tour because there's about two to three feet of water in it. And in order to go through it, you have to go through the water. So we make it, uh, if you want to on your free day, you can go there. And I've actually had several people who said, hey, man, take us to this water shaft. And they actually, they will get in. I, I had a guy one time, he swam the whole thing. Went the whole way. I've never done the whole thing. Here's, here's one of the things they do. When they take you to this water shaft, it's, you have to imagine, it's not made by men who went in with, with picks and hammers and chisels and chiseled away the rock. It's a natural formation of water through a long period of time wearing down the walls so that you walk into this place where the water, it, it literally on both sides of it, it's, it's maybe two to three feet wide. And at some places, it's hip wide. And it's straight up, I don't know, 30 or 40 feet. And it's all solid granite. Parts of it are water. During David's day, it would have been to the top filled with water. And they get you down in this water shaft. One of the things they do is turn off the lights. And you talk about a freaky feeling. What they tell you is, if you were to remain down there for any great length of time with that level of darkness, it would actually, listen to this, would actually damage your eye socket, your eyeballs in some way, so that when the light was turned back on, you wouldn't be able to adjust. It's so dark. That's how dark it is. When they shut the lights off, you're standing, you, you, I, I, you're standing there with a group of people, but as soon as the lights go off, dude, it's like just you and God. And it is a weird feeling. Okay, I'm trying to draw a picture mentally for you of this water shaft. Let me write it this way. As a description, a water shaft would be narrow, dark, lonely, and difficult. Spiritually in your life, have you ever ended up in a place that was narrow, dark, lonely, and difficult. You ever been to that place? You ever been to the place where maybe you entered into it with a group of people, but it gets so dark that it ends up being just you and God? The spiritual challenge of dealing with a stronghold, listen, is that when you recognize a stronghold, you just think to yourself, okay, there's a stronghold, I'll just call it out. That stronghold, go away. And Jesus, that doesn't do anything. What if God says to you, the way you're going to have to do this, I'm going to take you through this spiritual journey, and it's going to be lonely, it's going to be dark, it's going to be narrow, it's going to be uncomfortable, but if you'll walk through this, I will give you the way into this stronghold so that you can take the enemy out of it. Maybe right now you find yourself in a place that is lonely, narrow, dark. Spiritually, it's uncomfortable. Maybe you're going, how did I get here? What if God has you on a journey where right now he wants to take you to destroy a stronghold in your life? Would you be willing to go through it? I threw down in my notes when we were with the teaching team earlier this week, one of the questions that came up when we were talking about a water shaft was why would anyone go to this place in the first place? Let me give you the two reasons a person ends up in a spiritual watershed. The first one is God led you there. 
it is possible for God to take you through difficult places in your life. Jesus never promised, if you serve me, everything will be easy. He actually said, if you serve me, it could get difficult. The world hates me, they're going to hate you. So one of the reasons a person could end up trying to be in a difficult place in life spiritually is because they're being led by God. The second reason is, maybe they shot themselves in the foot and they ended up in a hard place. Either way, regardless of how you got in the water shaft, let me ask this question to you. Can God use, I put it this way, the dark night of the soul to do anything in your life? Can God use difficult things? Can God use difficult places? Can God use difficult circumstances, regardless of how you got there, to do things in your life? In Psalms chapter 34, David said this, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. In Romans 8, 28, Paul said this, God causes all things, say all things, all things to work together for good to them that know and love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. In these two scriptures right here, it covers the very idea of a person being led into a dark place or a person who ended up being there by accident. Either way, God can use the situation in your life to perfect and do his plan. I wrote down in your notes, if you'll find it right there, I said two people chronologically the same but spiritually different. Let me describe this to you. Maybe there are other, I'm, I'm 48, I'll be 49 here in a month and a half. Maybe there are other people right now sitting in here who are my age. Who, who maybe, let's, let's even go further. Maybe they're 5'7", and they weigh 175 pounds. Maybe they are married, and maybe they have children, so that maybe chronologically they look a lot like me. Here's, here's the thought. Could you find two people who were chronologically, physically, maybe close to being the same, but if you could open up their spiritual lives, you could find two people in very different places, yes or no? How, how, does, how, does, it, how does it work where if, if chronologically we, we all grow day to day, month to month, year to year the same, but spiritually we could end up being very different? How does that happen? I'm going to submit this to you. People that go through difficult things and people that go through hard places and people who defeat the enemy and who take who take out the, the, the strongholds in their life, can you agree those people are going to be spiritually at a different place than people who refuse to ever do hard work? I mean, early on when I started in ministry, I, I remember I wanted to be in ministry so bad that I was going to take, all, I, I was, I was, I was going to skip school. I was just going to try to jump into a position. I, I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to pay any price. I just wanted to get there. And I remember a pastor grabbing me, setting me down, said, John, I just want to explain something to you very quickly. And it was that principle. He said, two people who, who 10 years from now can be at the same age and they could be at roughly the same place in life. But if you open up their life spiritually, the ones who have not cut corners, who have done it the right way, they're going to be in a different place than the person who did. And you get to decide right now, what kind of person do you want to be 10 years from now or 20 years from now or 30 years from now? And it made, it made a decision inside of me that I was willing to go through whatever it took. I would go, I would do it the right way. I, I would go through whatever God put out there. I wouldn't skip, quit, walk around. I would go through the difficult things in order to be the person God wanted me to be. I just used this idea in trying to teach this that 
Sometimes in our life, we find strongholds and we just think, okay, I found it. I'm just going to pray it away or I'm just going to call it out and be gone. What if God has to take you through a difficult journey in order to conquer a stronghold in your life? If you knew at the end of it, it would be worth it. Would you be willing to do the hard thing? When I think of the scriptures, people who have ended up in the dark night of the soul. I mean, the Bible is full of characters who at different times have ended up in very difficult places. They loved God. They were serving God. But they made a mistake or even God allowed them to go through some difficult things. Jesus on the cross. Do you remember the point where Christ himself turned to the Father and said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Can you imagine God, God allowed Jesus to go through the difficulty of that so that you and I wouldn't have to go through the difficulty of it. But more than anything else, he allowed him to go through that. It was God's will for Jesus to suffer. Peter, when he denied Christ, the Bible says that on the third time he denied Jesus, that the rooster crowed and he looked directly at Jesus. Jesus had prophesied to him, Peter, you're going to deny me. Peter had said to Jesus, I'll never deny you. Even if everybody else quits, leaves, walks out, I'll never deny you. Jesus said, by the time the rooster crows three times, you'll have denied me. But Peter did it. And then the Bible says he looked directly at Jesus. He looked into his eyes and he turned and he ran out and he wept bitterly. Would that be a dark night of the soul? Can God use... Okay, this is, a, this is an easy one, the first one. Can God use what Jesus went through on the cross for his will? Dumb one. Can God use Peter denying Jesus, blowing it, making a horrible mistake? Can God still use that to accomplish his will in Peter's life? It doesn't matter why you ended up in a difficult place. It doesn't matter how you got in a difficult place. The bottom line is God can use it either way to perfect his will in your life if you come to him and give it to him. When we read this story, again, there's three weeks shoved into about four verses here. Here's, here's how David broke through into the city of David. When they marched against it, realized the Jebusites were there and that they were going to have to fight to get into the stronghold, David recognized that the only way in there was going to be through the water shaft. Here's what he said. David had, David had an army with him, but he hadn't picked anybody in the army to be the general to lead the troops. And David did something that I think every leader, everybody who's in charge of having people underneath you, if you hire people, you have people work for you, they volunteer, whatever it would be. Here's a leadership principle that's brilliant. A lot of times we pick leadership based on relationship. We like someone. We're friends with someone. Someone measures up in a resume, whatever. We pick it based on a relationship thing. David picked leadership based on this principle. He went to his men and he said, 
whichever one of you can get in and conquer this stronghold is the worthy one to be the general. All of the men wanted to do it, but only one figured it out. Joab went into the water shaft and in pitch darkness underwater. Imagine. He went down into a cave, hit a place where it was full of water. He didn't know how far it was. He didn't know whether or not it ended up a hundred yards or a thousand yards. He had to come to a place where he just had to trust God. The torch had to go out at that point. It's pitch black. This guy dove into the water, couldn't see a thing, had to feel his way along, holding his breath, not knowing how far it was to the end of this thing. Just at, listen, at what level do you have the faith to do something like that? I, I just, I don't know. This guy jumps in, does it, comes up the other side and finds himself right in the middle of the stronghold and they're all asleep. He's able to go and open the gate and let David's men in. He is picked to be the general of David's army because the act made him worthy. David didn't pick him because he was a good guy, a nice guy, or his friend. He picked him because he was willing to pay the price. Think anybody in here who's in a position where you hire someone or you put somebody into a position of authority? I put it this way. David let the experience choose the general. He didn't let friendship choose the general. Be careful when you qualify a person. Let their experience qualify them, not your friendship with them. I just threw out an idea here. I don't know. When I was trying to think of how Joab would go into that water tunnel, how he'd swim that length, and how, how he'd just try to go for it, I thought, man, what's the mindset of a person like that? Here's what I wrote down. The mindset of a warrior going through a difficult time. In fact, I wrote this, and if you don't get anything else out of the message, write this down. Having a vision gives a purpose to the pain you're going through in your life. Having a vision for why you're going through it gives a purpose to pain. Here's the mindset of a warrior going through a difficult time. The first thing is, Joab was doing it for his king. He did it for David. In our lives, our king is God. Everybody in here who loves God wants to do something great for him. If you're going through a difficult time, endure it, go through it, get to the end of it because you want to do something great for your king. The second thing, he did it for his family, for his brothers and his friends. He didn't want them to live with the opposition of the enemy over their lives. He wanted them to live with the promise of God. If you're going through a difficult time as a warrior, do it for your family. Last but not least, he did it for himself. He realized he'd be promoted. There was a reward for it. God does reward us when we go through difficult things. I'll end it with just this from the scripture. Last but not least, possess your promise. Recognize the stronghold. Sometimes to break through it, you're going to go through, I called it the difficult, the dark night of the soul. Last but not least, possess your promise. The Bible says David then took up residence in the actual fortress where he was being mocked from. You know you've had a breakthrough in a stronghold when you're living in the place the devil said you couldn't get into. There are so many people who are, they look strong in the camp, but get them away from the camp and they've got nothing. You, unless you're actually living in the thing that the devil was mocking you from, you've never conquered a stronghold. If you just go out and say, man, I got it all together and it's all fixed. If you don't actually overcome that area in your life, you have not conquered the stronghold. I put down, you'll possess the land 
when the enemy is out and you are in place, just like the promised land. God's will for them was to have Israel, but they had to go in and kick out the enemy. You cannot possess your promise until you kick the enemy out of the place that he's holding on to. When we were writing the message earlier this week, even tonight I was asked, how will you end it? What will you ask people to do? What will be the transition point when it comes to strongholds? I said to the staff downstairs, in my mind, I don't want to call out particular strongholds because if I say drug addiction, or I say anger, or I say a relationship, people tend to focus on the thing that you said. The here is different for everybody in this room. What is the thing that you're dealing with that you can't get free? What is the thing you're dealing with that you can't conquer? What is the thing you're dealing with that the enemy is mocking you from? That's the thing that God tonight would have you deal with. If you're going through a particularly difficult time right now, can anything that I'm saying give vision to you so that it gives a purpose to the pain you're going through? If you're struggling spiritually and you've ever prayed this prayer, hey God, I surrender, I give myself to you, you can use me, and you find yourself going through a difficult time in life, could it possibly be that God heard your prayer? That God actually answered your prayer? Could it be if you find yourself struggling and you're having to fight right now, could it be that God's actually answering what you prayed and not that he took his hands off and just sort of ignored you? Is anything that I'm saying, can it give you a vision for pain that you're going through in your life? I just think when we allow ourselves the opportunity to say, okay, God, what am I dealing with right now? Could God give you a vision for the thing that you're dealing with to tell you this is why you're going through it. This is why it's difficult. This is why it's lonely. This is why it's dark. I want you to conquer this thing. And if he called it out for you tonight, listen, he wouldn't just call it out and leave you there. He'd call it out because you are close to victory, man. You're close to conquering. I, even now, when I go to close it, I'm trying to think, God, how, how would you want us to respond? If you show us a strong, how do you want us to respond to that? I think maybe just being real with it and saying, okay, God, this is between you and I. I see it. I want to conquer this thing. I want to take care of this thing. I want to I overcome this. And believe that God right now would hear you. I just think, I, I think rather than, you know, many times when I close, I'll have somebody raise their hand for a particular thing. Something I feel like the Holy Spirit would have shown me or told me. Tonight, I felt like, man, don't call out a particular thing. Allow the Holy Spirit the opportunity to speak to multiple people about whatever they're going through. So I guess that's where we're close. We'll let the Holy Spirit just do it in a broad stroke right now with everybody. Just pray with me. Father, we just, we want to open our hearts so that you have the opportunity to speak to each one of us about the different things that we're going through. God, it's easy sometimes to just generalize an issue like this, to say, okay, it's just this thing. Some people would find it to be true, and most people would say, that's not what I'm dealing with. But if we just open it up right now and allow you to speak to us about whatever it is, 
whatever it is that you want to deal with tonight. God, we want to be open to you. We want to give you the opportunity, God, to minister, to deliver, to help us to overcome. I just, I want you right now, your head's bowed, your eyes are closed. This is really between you and God, not me, you and God. And not your spouse, you and God. It's just you and God right now. If you find yourself dealing with stronghold. A stronghold doesn't have to be some huge, monstrous thing. It can just be that simplicity of an area in your life that you cannot overcome. An area in your life where the enemy is just having a field day with you. When I think of the things in my life, this isn't for you, this is for me. But just as an example... I have year after year after year preached about healing. I've prayed for people who needed to be healed and I've seen God do unbelievable things. Sometimes I haven't seen anything happen. But many times I've seen God do incredible things for people. And then in my own life, I've struggled with a health issue for more than 10 years. It's gotten worse year after year. I read the Bible and I happen to be somebody who believes that God can heal. That God does miraculous things. And that God cares about doing things like that. And I'll pray for the very thing that I'm dealing with in somebody else and I'll see God move in their life and I can't see it happen in my life. I feel like the devil just mocks me from that issue. I feel shamed about it. I feel like I don't have enough faith sometimes. Or even the devil will accuse God. God doesn't really do things like that. Or you're just fooling yourself. Whatever it is, it's all mockery. And I find myself dealing with that issue to the point where you just want to give up. But either way, I can't overcome it. I know you come face to face with it. And that's, that's what I'm talking about. It's that thing in your life you can't do anything about it. It's beating you up. It's robbing you. It could be financial. It could be emotional. It could be physical. For sure it's spiritual. If while I'm talking about it, God shows you something, I just believe he wouldn't show it to you tonight to disappoint you or to leave you just vulnerable. I think he would show it to you tonight because he wants to do something about it. If you're hurting right now, does anything I say 
produce vision in you so that it gives a purpose for the pain. God doesn't want to just leave you there. He wants you to conquer the stronghold. He wants to lead you through the difficult time, that dark place, that narrow passage. Our worship teams are all going to step in place and we're going to worship the Lord. I'm going to invite you that while we do that at every campus, And even if you happen to be listening to this by yourself, it's the perfect opportunity for you to do business with God. If you find that place in your life, you identify it, you can see it, it's a stronghold. God wants you to be able to conquer that thing. I'm going to invite you while we go into worship, you do business with God you pray for the Father to help you right now to see, to know what to do. God will lead you through this dark place so that you possess the promise. There's no purpose to leave you hurting. No purpose just to leave you wanting. I want you to come right through this thing. And as we go to worship, it's an opportunity you can use our crosses you can just stand and worship. You can sit and pray. You can use our altars. Take communion. If you need someone to pray with you, there'll be people in the back. Have a little lanyard on that says prayer. You can go in and ask for someone to pray with you. However you do it, I want to invite you. If the Holy Spirit speaks anything to you, don't just leave it there. Do business with Him tonight. Father, for every person that you give vision to right now about why. Give purpose to what they've been experiencing and what they're going through. Show them, God, that you're not going to just leave them, that you want them to possess the very thing, the promise that you've given them. God, I pray for couples in here, families in here, singles, wherever they're at in life right now. Bring us, God, to the promise that you have for us. Just pray it now in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and stand to your feet, if you will, and we'll worship the Lord and use all the elements that I mentioned to engage with God.